Welcome to Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. We have the conversations leaders want to have so they can win at leadership. Now, on to our show. Welcome back to another episode of Leadership Conversations. This is Casey Cease along with my co-host, Josh Reich. And today we're going to talk about some church leadership issues. I'm talking about an elder team, how to build a healthy elder team in your church. And so, uh, Josh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Uh, talk to me. I know you wrote an article on this, but but what, what was the impetus behind writing this article? Well, and... I coach a lot of church planters and you coach a lot of church planters and we have a lot of conversations at, at conferences and at roundtables. And one of the things that almost always comes up is building an elder team. What does it look like? How do you build an elder team? And typically it comes out of um, doing it poorly and yeah. <laughs> we, we have the scars to prove it. We've Picking sat mess, in. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I can tell you when we started our church, I mean, we had budget meetings that lasted till 1 a.m you know, budget meetings that went for seven hours um, for, for a church of under a hundred people, which as I think about it now, like our last budget meeting for, for this past year for our elder team, it, it was maybe 30 minutes. Wow. And, and it's not because um, they cared less than they did, you know, seven years ago when it took eight hours, it's because we've gotten better at the culture of our elder team and, and what elders do. And yeah. so, um, so I wrote this article really to try to answer how to build a healthy elder team. So as I'm looking just overall, and, and like you said, we, we deal with a lot of pastors and planters. Um, and, and it's funny because some of them have even been an elder somewhere else, or maybe have known elders somewhere else. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think, a lot of times what I've experienced is, is elder teams are an afterthought or a reaction rather yeah. than a purposeful plan. So, yeah. um, you know, your first point is making uh, a healthy elder team culture, uh, uh, elder team in your culture, a priority. Talk to me about that. Like, what does that look like? How do you do that? Well, I mean, first off, you have to decide as a lead pastor that you're going to spend time on this culture and make it a priority. Yeah. And it's going to matter to you who is on that team. And depending on the structure of your church or the bylaws of your church, um, you as a lead pastor may have little to do with who serves as an elder. Um, yeah. You may have a nominating sure. committee. Um, you may not have a vote. It may be a congregational vote. Um, and so, but whatever whatever influence you can give as the lead pastor, you need to give as much of that influence as you can. Um, you need to make developing the elders a priority. You need to make the, the health and relationships of that team a priority. Um, I, I think many lead pastors just think, okay, well, I need to have an agenda for this meeting. We need to accomplish this. Uh, we need to move this forward. And, and that's all they focus on. And so yeah. then... Um, that's all their team is. It's just a churning out of tasks. And, um, and and that doesn't build a healthy team. And and really, at the end of the day, the health of your elder team or uh, or leadership team or board or whatever you want to call it is really going to dictate the health of your overall church um, yep. and, and whether or not your church is able to be healthy. And so I think for most lead pastors, um, this is not a high enough priority um, during their week, uh, when they think about, you know, how much time are they spending developing potential elders down the road? Um, you know, there are guys in our church right now that I look at and I think, you know what, in five or six years, that, that guy could be a really solid elder. Um, and, and I'm building towards that. I'm spending time with that 
potential leader um, thinking about that. I mean, right. giving them opportunities um, to to move into that and to develop leadership. And so I just think I think guys need to spend more time thinking about it um, on it um, with potential leaders. Uh, it just needs to be a higher priority for them. So the next thing you talk about is knowing what you're looking for in an elder, and, and you have uh, some pretty strong opinions about that. So so talk to us a little bit about. How do we begin? Because I think a lot of times, as you mentioned in your article, that we have a tendency early on to want to just get some friends around us, right? Because, I mean, as we talked in an earlier episode, leadership is lonely. And so I yeah. think, uh, you know, I think a lot of times guys put some people uh, around them or in their leadership that may not be qualified, um, but are, um, you know, but but our companions for, the, for yeah. the pastor, but, but so talk to us a little bit about what, what's, you know, what do you recommend looking for in, in an elder candidate and how do you go about doing that? Yeah. I think one of the first things to understand is you need to go as slow as possible in making somebody an elder. Um, and you know, scripture is really clear that for an elder, for a church leader, um, you know, in first Peter five and, and first Timothy three and Titus one, just the qualifications of the character of an elder. Yeah. And too many, whenever you hear a pastor talk about the horror stories of an elder, they overlooked character. Right. Um, it's not just, you're not just looking for financially uh, savvy or business minded leaders in your church, although that's incredibly helpful. Yeah. Um, just because somebody knows how to handle a budget of half a million dollars in their business doesn't mean that they know how to help lead a church. Right. Um, True. And so to make sure um, that you don't fall into the trap of putting the biggest givers on your elder team or putting just people who are, uh, who have built and sold businesses. Um, or, or, or even like you said, your friends, that that's a tendency, especially for a lot of, um, church planners because they've sat in, uh, really bad elder meetings. And so they think, you know, what, I'm just going to put my friends on it. I'm going to put guys who are just going to say yes to me on it, but that's not what elders are supposed to do as well anyway. I mean, no, that, you that's need a quick elders. way to, to ruin a yeah. friendship actually. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. you need elders who are going to look you in the eye and say, I think that's a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, and, and so you need to know what you're looking for. And right. as you think about, and, and where this comes from as well is you're also looking for elders who are not like you right. as the lead pastor yep. who will help to round out a team, um, you know, in personality, in gift set, um, I am a very uh, just visionary, hard-driving leader. I'm a goal-oriented leader. I, I'm in constant motion and wanting to, to tackle the next challenge. One of the things that, um, that I've really intentionally tried to do is to have elders who will help to, to slow that down and say, okay, are we making sure that no one's falling through the cracks? Josh, how are you doing you know, at, at shepherding the people in our church, at, at feeling what people are feeling? Um, you know, as an immature lead pastor, like I hated that, right? right. Drove yeah. me nuts. I was like, well, come on, man. Like, let's get, let's keep moving, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, but for the health of our church, it's important to have those, those other elders who are going to say, Hey, time out. Um, or if you're on the real shepherding side to have those leaders who are going to help pull out the vision and make sure that you're moving somewhere as a church and not just staying stagnant. And so uh, I think um, too many times churches uh, and lead pastors make someone an elder without knowing um, what they're looking for. And I think I make this point later in the article, but I think it goes along with it is understanding what makes a good elder. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, because one of the problems that I've seen is, is 
Um, elder, the role of being an elder. So I'll just speak for our church. So the way that we see eldership is you have, they provide oversight. I mean, Paul calls them in the new Testament overseers. So overseers are providing protection for the whole church, which means protecting financially, uh, protecting the vision, protecting the theology, protecting the leaders, um, protecting the church and making sure that it stays healthy. Providing oversight means they're able to see the entire field. So elders are not just somebody who's coming in and carrying the flag of kids ministry or, you know, this elder is married to a small group leader in the student ministry or this elder's married to, you know, somebody, you know, plays in the band. And so they pick up the flag of that ministry. Right. An elder is supposed to see the whole field of the church. And that's one of the things that separates being an elder from being a small group leader. Um, you know, I used to think that being like a small group leader is a good training ground for an elder. And I, I don't really think that anymore because while they're similar, they're really different. And I mean, you could be a oh, that's fantastic. Interesting. So, so talk to me, talk to, yeah, unpack yeah. that a little bit. Well, so I think you can be a fantastic small group leader and not be a good elder. Hmm. You know, you know, one of the qualifications of being an elder is being hospitable. So right. you need to be hospitable and that, you know, but that doesn't mean that you have somebody in your house four nights a week, sure. you know, for dinner. Um, you know, and so you can also, um, you can also be just a great elder, but not be a very good small group leader, Yeah, you know, and cause they're different roles. Um, and so for the longest time we would say, oh, well, you had to be a small group leader. You needed to multiply this small group and raise up an, another leader. And that's all well and good. But then we started to realize those are two different things. Like just because you're good at one doesn't mean you're going to be good at the other one. Um, and it's not necessarily a proving ground, uh, like it can be because of the similarities, but it's not always. And sure. so, and so you, you, you pull out, <clears throat> you quote the first Timothy three, Titus one and first Peter five, um, as a man of character, but <clears throat> you know, I mean, in a church that's growing, you know, what, what's appropriate to expect of an elder, you know, it, you know, are they meeting with people in the church? Are they counseling? Are they doing budgets like what what do you what do you see the primary role of an elder in the church doing yeah i mean i think it really all of those things depend on a couple of things one the size of the church the needs at that moment and the gift of the gifts that that elder has you know yeah. there are some elders um, that have very upfront gifts uh, we have several elders right now at our church who are very much just background type leaders uh, yeah. you know several of them right now do lead small groups in our church and they love it um, they love leading small groups. And then we've had elders who don't lead small groups. Yeah. Um, you know, and depending on just the, the season in terms of the age of their kids, the kind of time that they have, yeah. um, I do think it's important for, uh, for an elder at all costs to make sure that they have a pulse on what's happening in the church. And so one of the things that I think is incredibly dangerous many times is when a lead pastor or an elder says, well, my small group is the elder team. Yeah. That's an incredibly dangerous place um, because you're not, you're not rubbing shoulders with people in the church then. You're yeah. just rubbing shoulders <laughs> with the leaders. And, and that really takes you out of, you know, because First Peter 5, 5 says you need to be shepherding the flock among you, which means yeah. you need to be in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so right now, like, so I'm one of our elders at our church. I don't lead a small group, but I'm in one, yep. which if you're a lead Me pastor, <clears throat> you need to understand the awkwardness of you being in a small group that you yep. don't lead. Like it it's awkward for that leader. Yep. And you need to have a conversation with that leader. You need to find a leader that can handle it. 
Um, the small group that we're in is, uh, is a couple. He used to be an elder at our church and stepped off of our elder team. Well, he can handle having me in that small group. Right. Um, you know, but most lead pastors just don't understand that awkwardness. And so I think you need to be in a group. Do not make your elder team your small group. Yeah. No, and I, and I am as well. I'm in a small group. <clears throat> and one of the guys that's leading the, the community group is somebody that I think will likely become an elder one day. And so one thing that you, you know, I want to bundle up a few things that you say, because it's interesting. You talk about being on the lookout, start training an elder three years before, and then have a long process to become an elder. So can you unpack that? You identify somebody, you know what you're looking for, you identify them. Um, but it's interesting to me that you said start training, you know, multiple years ahead of time. So talk, talk to us about that. Yeah. Yeah, so I do I do a leadership development process at our church. It lasts about five months, and it is um, one time a week uh, at six a.m. on a Thursday morning. I just invite every every year. I just invite a, a group of leaders, you know. And my promise to them is, at the end of this five or six months, you'll just be a better leader everywhere you are in your life. You know, at home, at work, we read leadership books, case studies, uh, listen to podcasts and videos and things like that. Well. To enter into the elder process, you have to have gone through that group. Yeah. Um, because I want to see, will you, will you wake up and get there at 6 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> will you be prepared? Um, will you engage in discussion? Um, will you disagree with me? Uh, like, I'm watching for all kinds of things in that meeting. Uh, will you disagree with other people? Um, like, I have them take personality tests because I want to find out what they're like. Um, and, and so that's really the beginning um, of our elder process. Uh, we don't advertise it that way. No one knows that. Um, well, now they do. Now they do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, like I've told guys, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, but you're starting that process early. You know, yep. you're giving people when you start to see, Hey, I, that person might, might be able to do it. Let's see. Let's see if they can handle leading the greeting team. Right. Let's see if they can handle being a team lead in the kids ministry. Um, you know, let, let's see how they can handle, um, you know, leading a small group, things like that. You start to give people opportunities, um, that have very low risk. Um, too often the first leadership opportunity given to people is being an elder and that that's, that's such high risk. Um, and, and I think having a long process, part of that, what that does is I think somebody should attend your church for three years before they're an elder. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, because that that creates an opportunity to see their character, to see what they're like. Um, I had a mentor tell me, and I, I went against this, and uh, now I see the wisdom of it. But he said, if you have been an elder at a different church, he would not let you be an elder at his church. Oh, really? And, and the reason, he said, is because for you to get all the way to being an elder and then to leave, right? it has to be something big happened. You know, outside of, yes, you moved across the country or you retired and you moved to be with, you know, closer to grandkids, like there are extenuating circumstances to that. Sure. But by and large, if you were an elder somewhere and have left that church, something drastic happened. And um, because that's, you know, that just does not happen that often. Right. And, and so yeah. within that long process, and, and you can have whatever process you want. I, I think three years is a good amount of time. Um, because you're able to see, okay, this person's committed. They're in the DNA of our church. They've been in a small group. They've been through a cycle of small groups. You know, we've seen them in leadership. People know them. People have seen their marriage. They've seen, you know, how they parent and, 
Um, you know, we we're able to see, you know, are they hospitable? Are they living on mission? How often do they share the gospel with people? You know, what kind of shepherds are they, you know, are they givers, you know, how generous are they? Um, all of those things are, you're able to see a pattern over three years because you can be amazing for six months. Yeah. You know, like, like we, we call, you know, the guy, we, we have a saying, we call him the guns blazing awesome guy at our church. You know, the guy who walks in and he's like, man, you know, like I'm so gifted. And he always has an amazing smile perfect teeth, you know, and always extroverted, always talented, always excited about your church. And I'm, and my response to that always is, man, you know what? Like we need help on the setup team. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Like we need people to show up and uh, put chairs out. Yep. And the guns blaze an awesome guy typically leaves them. Right. And I'm okay. Because you're not, you're not, you, you're not acknowledging or, or you stewarding his gifts. Well, I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey man, you know, And so I just think you need to give, you need to have enough time to see if people are really who they say they are. Right. Um, You know, and, and so I I think two to three years is a good amount of time for that because part of our process is we bring somebody before the church and say, Hey, you know, this is what they've walked through here. The, the elder exam we had them take, here's what we had them read. And we're bringing them to you saying, we think that this person is an elder and we want to, we want to know if we've missed anything. And so we give people four weeks to come back and say, hey, you know, oh, you I give don't them think four so. weeks? We give them wow. four weeks. We give them Golly. four weeks. That's, yeah, we that's give them awesome. four weeks. Yeah. You know, but because um, we want we want our church to say, yes, we think that that person meets the qualifications. Yeah. Um, we we are going to be submitting ourselves to the leadership of this team. Yeah. Uh, this person is going to be shepherding us. And so we want to have people come and say to us, like, man, like, no, like that guy, you know, he blew up another church or that guy you know, that guy just can't stop cussing or, or whatever. I mean, now that, thankfully none of those things have ever happened. Um, and we've never had anybody come and say, you know, I don't think that so-and-so should be an elder. And, um, and so we're grateful for that. Uh, but I just think that long process gives an opportunity um, to see people for who they really are. All right. So we're about to run out of time, but I do want to have this argument with you really quick because right. you did make this, this uh, comment on your blog that always keep paid pastors off the elder team. To be fair, you put in parentheses, almost. Um, but, uh, hedging my bets, hedging your bets, just, just a little bit. It was a bit Switzerland of you and that's that's not your personality, but, uh, why why do you say that? Why do you say keep paid pastors off the other team? Are you talking about the lead guy as well? Or are you saying other? Okay. I'm saying outside of the lead pastor. Okay. I I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, now, now some, some, uh, staff, I think are able to do it. They, they have that maturity to be able to do it. But I think it's incredibly difficult to wear two different hats with the lead pastor Yeah, to be, to be an elder where you are at this meeting where you are pushing back as, as that equal elder. Like, yes, the lead pastor is, is leading the elder team, you know, the first among equals, um, you know, they're, they're leading it you know, but, but you're pushing back in a way, just like everybody else. And then you're going to go out of that meeting and you're going to sit in the staff meeting. And now you're under the lead pastor as a boss. Right. Um, and, and that's a hard switch to make. And I remember when we started our church, um, the pastor that, that, uh, started it with me, he and I were both elders and there were different moments where he would say, now, are you saying this to me as my boss or as an elder? Yeah. And we, and we had to start kind of, um, communicating that to say, okay, this is the hat we're wearing, wearing right now. And we were able to do it. Um, we were able to make that, that relationship happen, but I don't think everybody can. Um, and, and it's important to understand that dynamic. Yeah. Um, because I, I think too often we don't, 
we don't verbalize that dynamic. Now, if you're able to do that, if you know, I know a lot of a lot of Acts 29 churches and other churches, their their paid pastors make up the elder team, and that's great. You know, if that's how you do it, you know. I mean, that's just a church led. I mean, it's a staff led church basically at that point. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's important to have some lay guys on there that are qualified and trained up. And um, well, and I do think it's important too. One of the things I've heard, um, I, I've heard a lot of churches say, well, we have more unpaid elders than paid elders. Yeah. So that way we're able um, to uh, to outvote the paid elders if we need to. Yeah. And, and while I understand um, what they're trying to say, what they're also saying is we don't trust our paid elders enough. Right. Well, and it, I think at that point, it's, you know, a, a bit of America uh, governance is kind of sneaking in on that. We still, you know, we want to say and uh, and I get that. I mean, I mean, but I, I've heard the flip side as well, where a pastor early on when he starts his church has it to where the elder board has to unanimously vote for his removal. And if he is on the elder board, <laughs> he has to vote for his own removal. Right. And so it's like a safe part. So, so it, it certainly can get sticky. Well, man, we're running out of time. Any last thoughts on building a healthy elder team? Man, I, I think the one thing that I cannot emphasize enough and from the scars that I've walked through, and I'm sure you have as well, um, put a high premium on character and do whatever you can to find it. Yep, absolutely. And, and don't rush. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't rush, rush someone in. Yeah. Don't rush. So, yeah. well, Josh, thanks so much uh, for your insight on that. And those of you listening, we're grateful for you being a part of our listenership. And we look forward to being with you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Josh Reich and Casey Sees. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, head on over to iTunes or Google Play to subscribe to our podcast. Also, head on over to our website at www.leaderconvos.com.